and welcome back to the Schooner Pod. I'm your host, Bobby Howard. We are here today to talk about OU's regular season finale. I a 51 to 48 loss on the road in Lubbock to the Texas Tech Red Raiders in overtime. Uh, a lot of frustration, a lot of um, similar things and themes we've been talking about all season, but it's come to an end of the road for 128, uh, at least in the regular season. And frankly, this is the last time we'll see this version of the team as the weeks to come will feature many uh, opt-outs, um, transfer portalings. It's it's gonna it's gonna be an interesting couple weeks. But anyways, with me today as always, we've got Jameson, we've got Ty, and uh, I, Jameson. I'm just gonna let you let you start on this. Uh, what a disappointing loss. What are your thoughts? Uh, just just first thoughts off the top of your head. Yeah, it was a disappointing loss. Things didn't go our way, and obviously our defense played atrocious. But here's my thing. I feel like a lot of people are panicking once again. We got another loss. Throw everything into the air. Throw everything into the trash. Like, we are in hell. Like, this is horrible. We were already there. Like, this team and this team and this season was already this bad. It was just another example of it. So if you guys thought that earlier in the season was some kind of fluke in our five other losses – and then this Texas Tech one is the one that sent you over. I don't get why everyone's having this complete panic attack right now on, on Twitter and all social medias. It was just another representation of what this team was. It's the same old thing. We're just going to have to watch and try again. Hey, Jameson, for, for one, I was mad because I had my uh, my tickets booked to the Cheez-It Bowl. I was ready after OSU okay, lost. That, that, okay, I, I am kind of disappointed about that because we did get that um, bowl projection. And I was like, wow, this might actually be kind of fun. And we were all going to be buying Schooner Pod uh, Cheez-It Bowl gear too. It would have been great. It would have been so great. I, mm, we were that close. And now Texas Tech is getting projected the Cheez-It Bowl. So, yeah. Ty, your thoughts on the loss. I want to, want to hear what you have to say. I'm sure you've got some tasty bits going. It was just, it was bad. This one is maybe the worst one because we should have won. And it, it, to me, almost in a sick way, this was the perfect ending to this season. And as we roll through this podcast, I have made, sort of made a point in my notes here to uh, point out these things as we get to them. There were so many things that we've pointed to throughout the season of like, if we could just fix this and they are fixable things, it would go better. And in the weirdest way, so much of it was fixed and so much of it worked this game. I mean, I think this was our best offensive performance all year. If you're looking at, at the yardage and uh, certainly by some individual players, it was their best game all year. And then at the same time, all of the same things were going wrong. Things like inexplicable fake field goals and, and all sorts of things that we will certainly dive into. So this one this one hurt, especially when we had the situation uh, going our way uh, tremendously. I mean, even right from the start, it was good that they had that great return and then turned it over because that's just such a momentum killer and such a, a tone setter right from the start. And uh, we, we squandered that and it was just... Uh, an infuriating performance, but yeah, looking back, I don't know why anyone would have expected anything less than what we saw. Yeah. And I mean, especially when it became a close game, when it became evident that they would have to make winning plays to win a game uh, down the wire, that's what it was like. We're going to lose this because they've done it all year long. The Sooners finished. Oh, and four this season and games decided by one possession. 
um, which is pretty, pretty bad. Um, so, you know, you, you'd like to think that, you know, there, there's probably an optimist, probably someone more goonerish than I am out there who would say, oh, you know what? They're close. You know, just they, they could, they could, they're one possession away. If, if you just flip one possession on, you know, those four games, then they're, they're, they're 10 and two. But, you know, frankly, it's still frustrating to see that they did not have the winning mentality. They did not have what it took to close out uh, games, especially on, on the defensive end um, across the board, just another, uh, another abject failure of coaching of, of um, mm. player performance. And I'll, I'll ask you that James. And do you, do you put this more on the coaches or the players? So we've been having, oh, I just completely just punched my laptop on accident with my hand, but whatever. Um, we've been on having accident. this damn conversation. <laughs> the whole season and i'm kind of sick of it honestly at this point who cares it does it's obviously everything the whole thing's on fire we can't get a con we don't have any continuity in this team there's no consistency okay yeah the coaches have called bad games but then there's been some times where i gotta give it like jeff levy i know he got a lot of crap in this game i think he played some pretty good uh i, I think he called a pretty good game for the most part of it the players Absolutely horrible, but they had some bright spots. There were some good things that they did. It's just we can't put it all together. So stop trying to find a scapegoat. Try, stop trying to find, oh, this is the person that's wrong. Oh, this is the problem. No, it's not. Stop trying to find these quick fixes. This is a different time and era that we have never really had to deal with in recent memory as OU Sooner fans. Because even if it is a one-fluke season, or at least or the next season we kind of feel like we'll have at least some optimism of like people come back and injuries and whatnot. This is one of those seasons where it's like, I, I really don't have that optimism. I've got a lot of, you need to prove it to me next season. So I'm not going to make this decision of, is it the coaches or is it the players? It's a, we need to just clean slate and just see what happens next season. Then I'll start making my judgments. Yeah. I, I think clean slate is fair. Um, and you know, really, it's it's a chicken the egg situation. Ty, I want to hear your thoughts on it because I know you definitely had some takes about uh, about Levy. I personally don't know if I agree as much because you know, again, it was a game where you know OU gave up fifty one points, but that's another thing. So, what what are, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So to clarify, my take on Levy has always been uh, that I've liked his so just his. Play calling alone, I have liked throughout the season. My big criticism with Levy and his play calling specifically was that we were not adjusting that play calling to the talent that we had. His play calling, I think, if you put a you know a Heisman, and this is not a bit about Dylan Gabriel, but if you put like a Heisman caliber quarterback in with Jeff Levy's play calling throughout the season, you get just, just some crazy offense going on. Um, but I think we saw it offensively. I cannot point to a single thing that didn't work in this game. I, I mean, there's, that's, that's you can point to, and, and if I'm taking tie. out, oh, we lost Ty. Okay. I, I didn't know. And no. my screen is going away and Ty and there Ty is back. I guess my okay, wife is cutting out too. Yeah. Jameson, I think that may have been you. Cause I had Bobby in HD the whole time. I had Bobby yeah, the whole time too, Ty, which was weird. And both okay. of our screens went out, which was Ty a great, that's a great thing. Dude, so the mouse, anyways, the mouse is trying to stop us. <laughs> in, in summary, I, I haven't really had the same criticisms that y'all and some other people have had against Levy. And when I look at this game offensively, I really can't point to, you know, you can nitpick here and there. We put up 48 points on them in regulation. I think we put up 51 points on them. We could talk about that field goal later, but um, 
like what we did worked. This was a, I, I understand his stats may not show it, but if you watch this game and you've watched Dylan Gabriel this season, this might be his best performance in an OU uniform. Uh, and that was helped by some of our receivers having tremendous, tremendous performances as well. Eric Gray had a tremendous performance, but I think this one, I got it. If I'm going to pin it on a specific group, it is specifically the defensive players. And especially in the second half, I was sitting there, I watched the game with my in-laws and I was sitting there and it seemed just play after play. There was a great play call. And and I'm, I'm quantifying a great play call as in we had a guy or guys unblocked making contact at or behind the line of scrimmage. And then they weren't executing the tackles, whether it be an angle thing, you know, some of those, some percentage of those are going to be Texas tech athletes, their college, their D one athletes. They're going to be able to make moves in open space sometimes, but just time after time, after time, the defensive play call was there in my mind, you know, our X's and O's were lined up. And if you were just scheming it out, you know, X's and O's on a whiteboard, we were stopping them, but then just the execution of tackles specifically, and then just awareness of where the ball was, was not there specifically with our defensive players. And we'll get into the offense more as we continue on. And I've gone on for a while, but again, when you put up this many points on people and almost, I think we had almost 700 yards of offense, something crazy um, offensively, like you really can't say that we had yeah we had 672 yards on offense and 48 points i don't think you can point to a single thing that went wrong with the offense you can't allow a team like texas tech to put up 48 points on you in regulation yeah absolutely and offensively it was it was it was not only gabriel's best game in an ou uniform it was one of his best ever uh the six touchdowns tied an ou record for passing touchdowns in a game set by baker mayfield i believe which is unreal uh 449 yards through the air is crazy and you know i'll, I'll give levy this you know when he had that kind of bad spell in the middle where things weren't working he got back to his bread and butter he started going downhill more he fed eric gray a little bit more and you know they also completely were able to exploit Texas tech with Marvin Mims and uh, some of those deep balls as well. Um, so it wasn't, it, I would say it was actually, it was, it was a pretty solid levy game because he, he did adjust. He did change things defensively. Once things got bad, the ability to set the edge to stop what Texas tech was doing in the flats. Um, really the only reason they, that tech started slowing down, was flat out because Sir Roderick Thompson got hurt. That was it. Uh, if Thompson was 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 healthy, I, I think it would have continued to be worse. Taj Brooks is and it was so still slow bad. Too. Taj Brooks is so slow. slow. He's a good running back, but he's just so slow. Yeah, it ugh, it was it was brutal, and I it, it's hard to watch that defense get gashed like that. But I mean, Jameson, you put it kind of perfectly. It's it's the marriage of two issues the players aren't there for this the coaching scheme and the coaches are not coaching them up in the way they should um technique awful uh taking the wrong angles so many times uh missing tackles not wrapping up elementary stuff that you should not have be having issues in in week 12 it just it just isn't working um and hopefully whatever crop of guys uh, this coaching staff can get in going into uh, 2023 and team 129 is a little bit better and more coachable. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is my go-to when betting on the NFL this holiday season. 
the easy payouts, the same game parlays, player props. You know how much I love my player props. All of them just so great. Easiest sportsbook to use by far. And it's getting even better. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. So check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sports app, place a same game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, point totals, and more. The more you legs you add, the bigger the boost and the bigger your shot to win big. Look, with rivalry week going on in college football, big Thanksgiving Day games, it is just the perfect time to dive into your favorite sporting event. I've been loving it. Hell, put a little bit on the World Cup. It's great. This is the best time to be betting. I am loving it. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TPPN, place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. Now, back to the Schooner Pod. Okay, hear me out on this one, right? defensively, we know that these are not, as a whole, this is not the group of players that we're going to have next year and going forward. We know that uh, Brent Venables can coach defensive players that are national championship caliber and that are NFL caliber, right? We know these two things. So what if we're coaching them wrong on purpose so that when they transfer, oh we don't God. have to face good players somewhere else next year. <laughs> Think about that, right? Because you, you never know, right? We could be playing 4D chess right now. Trying to poison the well. Continue yeah, we, we've trained them wrong on purpose as a joke. It's like the reverse Alex Grinch. <laughs> it's legitimately the reverse Alex Grinch, but instead he stays here. The, th- the thing is, like, it's, it's honestly, this team just wasn't that good of a team. And... Brent Venable's scheme was so much different than Alice Grinch's, and we just didn't have the team set up to where they could succeed in that system. It's just simple as that. Our pass rush the whole year, I don't think I had a single game this season, even in the first couple of games, where it's like that pass rush is explosive. Yeah, did they get to the quarterback early in the season? Yeah, but that was Reggie Grimes and Ethan Downs just kind of getting coverage sacks or just bullying by brute strength um, lower end tackles. We have no one with speed on the edge other than like an R. Mason Thomas and a guy like Marcus Stripling, who I thought could be that kind of guy. It's not there. We don't have a pass rush at all. So even if we're, we're trying to play zone and then we're trying to stay in our spots and do the smart play, if you make a zone that the players already don't do that well to begin with and give them no pass rush where they're just sitting on islands, it's going to look bad. But I'll give it to the defense. I always said like, are we seeing any kind of progression? I see downwards in some areas, but we didn't really see too many like broken assignments where the guys are running absolutely free. These 70 yard touchdowns that we saw like versus TCU and Texas and stuff earlier in the season where it's just like, what happened? Who, what, there's nobody in that area. Yes. There were some big plays. Obviously I wish we'd have stopped them on some fourth downs and whatnot, but there's nothing like that. So I'll give them that as a progression. I agree. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's really fair. Um, because that, I mean, as we saw with TCU Texas, that was brutal. But, you know, they did a good job of the bend don't break. But like you said, 
that defensive line doesn't work unless you have a PJ Adebuare, a David Hicks up there, guys that OU are actively trying to get into the system. Um, because, you know, frankly, I'll put it this way. If Venables had the defensive line he, uh, that Grinch had last year, I think this defense looks much different. Well, yeah, that pass rush was like one of the best. I mean, Nick Benito is doing, I think he's doing pretty decent right now in Denver. And he was just a madman on the edge. So it, feels, it feels like people couldn't stop him. And and yes, there's going to be a little bit of a drop off whenever you're bringing in new people into bigger roles on that defensive line that they haven't had before. And we get to see if they're real or they're not. I understand Ethan Downs had all kinds of hype because of his work ethic. But yeah, he's got a great work ethic. He's a great person, um, but he just doesn't fit into a mold really of college football. He's not big enough to be on the inside, but he's not fast enough to be on the outside. Reggie Grimes, I thought he was you know good in the early part of the year, just not fast enough on the outside. You can have one slow guy defensive end if they're powerful enough, but you need to make sure that you have at least some speed on the outside. And having a true freshman as your guy like that just makes for a recipe for disaster because I really do think pass rush – might be one of the most important positions in all of football. And that's why I said it on a couple episodes at the beginning of the season, you know, look at the NFL, which defenders get the highest contracts. It's not the linebackers. It's the cover corners and it's the defensive ends who get after the quarterback. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, it, I, I get that some people are like, oh, well, look at all the five stars they have. And that's true. They do have a lot of five stars, but not for that defensive scheme. It just, that's just kind of it. But, um, yeah. what, what five stars are we playing right now on defense? Um, just kind of going that throughout, like in our starting. So I can kind of go through it in my brain. Ethan Downs was a four star. Reggie Grimes was a four star. He was a higher four star, but he's pretty good. Jalen Redmond came in at the end as a five star, but there's obviously some weird things going on with him and his snap counts this year. I think whenever he has played, he's one of the few people that can get inside pressure. And he was the one guy who got a sack. Um, but it, he just hasn't played that much. Jordan Kelly, he was a three-star. David Uguaybu, four-star. Danny Stutzman was a low-end four-star. I'm just going down the list. CJ Colden wasn't a, a five-star. Key Lawrence was a high-end four-star. I mean, I, I feel like I'm just going to keep on talking. I'm not fine. Justin Broyles wasn't a five-star. Um, Woody Washington wasn't a five-star. We don't have five-stars on our defense. That's true. That's true. And that's like really ultimately the biggest issue. So um, do we want to talk about um, – kind of issues with the offense next. I I, I don't really <laughs> Ty, I don't Ty would love to talk about Ty, that. Ty Ty do Well, no. I I think yeah. I think the offense deserves uh mentioning. I again, I sort of said my piece about uh I don't really know that you can point to any any issues with the offense. I consider maybe special teams when you're trying to score to be part of the offense, so there might be some issues there. But uh yeah, I think I think the offense deserves some talk, you know. Yeah, let's let's talk about them. Let's talk about them. So, I mean, we got to do defensive game ball. Michael Turk, yeah, got to tackle. <laughs> hey, really though, let's let's actually Why? talk about. It. Let's let's give let's give a defensive. Do we want to? No, give we a don't. We don't ball? do game balls on losses. No, I was, we know that all see, we do was, okay, is just yeah. yell and bitch. That's true. No, but, but I was no. CJ Colden deserves one. He was great. Yeah, you're right. CJ Colden is long, long gone. That that dude has played too well this season. Well, and not only that, but I think he's out of eligibility as well. So, oh yeah, there's been argument. I'm trying to figure out if his he has COVID year or not, and all that. To be honest with you, when you're talking eligibility, this COVID year and whatnot, if who's co- got their COVID year still confuses me so much. I'm just needing this season to end, and then we can stop worrying about it. For sure, for sure. Um, 
but yeah, let's let talk talk about the talk about the offense because yes, there were times where things could have happened that would have been opportune and we could have been rolling even farther into the sun. But that's the old style of OU thinking. Yes, the offense made some mistakes. Players are going to make mistakes. That's just what's going to happen. Obviously, some penalties were really annoying. Javante Barnes' drop was really annoying. Some other miscues on the offensive end. But we did enough. We absolutely did enough. So to try to point your finger at that, that's the old style of thing where it's like our offense needs to do absolutely everything perfect, put up so many yards, so many points to mask all of our incompetencies on the defense. You got to give a little bit of leeway for an offense and a defense when you're critiquing them in terms of mistakes. They're not going to be perfect. Defense makes mistakes every single drive. Offense, that's not the case. There is some things where I can understand, like, are, are we moving too fast? We didn't have a drive that goes over five minutes, and that just makes our defense even worse if they're continuously getting back on the field. But whenever the deep ball is going as well as it did on Saturday, you can't damn the offense for taking when it's getting. Because if, that, if that's not a touchdown, they just go back right on, um, you know, three minutes later when Texas Tech scores their touchdown. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I think I think the problem is kind of in the middle, he kind of just tried to go a little too horizontal, you know, too many like kind of swing passes that didn't really go anywhere, too many screens. Uh, but overall, you know, you can't really just because that happened in the middle of that weird Texas Tech run at the very end where, you know, three minutes left, they're down 24 to six and you throw a pick, everything goes to he- throw a pick and then go three and out everything kind of goes to hell. That's really not, I don't know. I feel like you're, you're kind of, it's like focusing on like the one bad part of the game that while it did break us, it was not the reason why it broke us. It just was just, just poor, just truly unfortunate. Yeah. I I really like uh, what one of our commenters and and frequent viewers this season, Oki trades. Thanks for commenting. Uh, said I couldn't I could not uh, put that in in such a succinct manner but he nailed it Lebby clearly has schematic brilliance but he lacks situational football IQ and I think that's in in a shorter sense uh, what I've been trying to say about about Lebby and and I think that leads into our entire offense one thing I think we do need to mention on on the offense and we haven't mentioned it yet is we only punted three times, which is good. And we did well on those punts. Shout out to Michael Turk once again, but we turned it over on downs three times. And then Dylan Gabriel had that interception. I honestly don't fault him for that. That was very inconsequential when it occurred, I think. And even in the grand scheme of the game, but three turnovers. One, that was on like downs. one of the biggest turning points for Texas tech. Cause it went like touchdown, touchdown the span of like a couple of minutes. Know, but we stayed, I thought we stayed in the game. Maybe I'm misremembering. Well, we were, like, we were in the lead big. Yeah. That's yeah, the we, thing. We, so like we had yeah. just, we were up at 24 to six and Texas tech goes, goes, it gets a long 10 play touchdown drive. And then it's 24, 13. Then we throw a pick. Then they get a touchdown. Then we go three and out, and then they get a field goal, and it's 24-23 going in halftime. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yes, it was it was consequential, but, I mean, you can't damn him for throwing one interception in a game that he put up six touchdowns and all, and he had a lot of good throws. Yeah, so, and I, I didn't think it was that bad. But uh, to finish my to finish my thought, I think that, that nails it. And I have a little piece that I'll get into here. Uh, a little bit later because it infuriated me with another team that I'm 
say I'm not a fan, but I'm sympathetic to uh, the Oregon Ducks. That has to do yeah, with uh, maybe – well, no, because it ties into it too because they had so many failed fourth it down felt conversions. So, yeah, I, I want to give you guys a chance to, to talk here while I compile my notes on that, but I, I definitely do have a piece. Stay tuned uh, for a piece on, on fourth downs. Yeah, and I, I think one thing that was weird about the fourth down, um, the way they handled fourth downs, why are you going to hurry up on those? Um, especially if the spot's like pretty short, like it was on one of them. Like you, you kind of have to have, you have to have patience. You have to give it a little more time. I, I feel like we, we keep running hurry up on it and it never works. I think that's a big aspect of why those fail. Yeah, I understand. It's 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 there's a lot of revisionist history with this because you know there is positives to going hurry up and obviously keeping the um, offense the same unit on the field. Don't let any sub so they can't scheme. They kind of already know what they're working with against that defense. Um, but whenever it doesn't work, obviously it sucks. Another thing that it work whenever it works, everyone praises them. But whenever it doesn't, they don't and they critique them. And whenever we're hearing in the comments right now. Uh, that reverse play in overtime where Dylan Gabriel got smacked that, that got a lot, a lot of people angry, but here's the thing with that. I understand here. My thing about reverse passes. I think it's been overplayed so much to where all the defensive backs see it coming now. So I just think it's, no one should be calling that in general anymore, but just think that's a play. That's a risky play call. And if he gets a touchdown, Everyone's singing Jeff Levy's praises. They're saying, wow, what a what a great call at the beginning of overtime and got him a touchdown. But it, it didn't go that way. And I guarantee you, if it went into a touchdown, people would be saying all these great things about it. Just because it ended poorly, you now it's now it's a bad thing. I think I just don't like the play call in general. So even if it was successful, I'm tired of seeing these passes because safeties aren't biting on, on them anymore. But I just don't think that people need to be playing this, you know, hindsight bias thing. And that OU fans are so bad about hindsight bias and overreacting whenever things are down, they make it sound even worse than what it is. Just stop snowballing everything, people. Like, please, God, just use your brain before you say stuff. It's right. I've got a whole thing. Another sec. Ty's got his segment. I'm going to have my segment about how I'm really getting sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of what Twitter's going down like this rabbit hole right now, but my God, OU fans aren't making it any better. That's that's OU that's, fans that's responsible for the situation at Twitter. More to follow. Oh, there's too many damn <laughs> OU fans with blue check marks that think they're freaking experts now. And it's also, oh, oh my also, God. OU- also, OU fans with blue check marks, please watch our show and give us money. <laughs> I, and not, if you're one I'm of them, afraid. how about you listen to me and stop being so ridiculous? And people, I've seen a lot of uh, like accounts sitting out with these cryptic tweets, seeing like they know stuff. And no, I just read the same note that you did on the board, and now you're going to send out some cryptic tweet thinking that you've got some information that other people don't. Just quit it. Quit. Just because you got 4,000 followers from a bunch of people and you pay for Twitter Blue doesn't make you any kind of special. Makari Vickers' dad is seeing all of you horrible fans on Twitter, and he's talking about the these recruits are getting annoyed with you guys. He said explicitly, the recruits are getting annoyed with the OU Twitter fans. Quit being so, you know, hot or cold. I cannot stand it. I really cannot stand them. I This Twitter Blue thing is taking me off the rails, go back to the game. But OU fans, if you've got a lot of Twitter followers and you think you're some expert now that you got a blue check mark, go check your privilege at the door. Golly. 
<laughs> we are because I, because we are objective here at the Schooner Pod. I do want to point out that some of you may be thinking there is some comedy to a a podcast host calling out Twitter people. But I'm not making these cryptic things and overreactions and telling players to their face that they suck. Like, are you kidding me? No, what we do after this is I say that there's disappointment. On them, I say that they're not playing well, but for recruits that are going through, I'm not going and directly adding them on Twitter and saying that. I'm not sending out things on Twitter, on our Schooner Pod Twitter account, this cryptic thing acting like I know something more than everyone else. And everyone's in the comments like, oh, what happened? Did something new happen? And it's the same people that all have the same subscription service that the person with the blue check mark has. So if I, but, if, but they think since they're so cryptic that they have some extra inside information when they don't. Like, if what? I if I went and looked at your Twitter, I would not see a single mention at a player. I don't think I've ever no. mentioned a player. Does the name Does the name Jason Bean ring a bell? To okay, I, I have <laughs> mentioned Jason Bean. I and uh, that was an yeah. all love. That was all love. That, that was all love. That was all love. We should try to get him on the podcast in the off season. All love. <laughs> what do we talk about? Like, hey, Jason Bean, we've been talking about you and obsessing over your career for three years now. What do you think about that? How you didn't know? You'd be like, uh, this is kind of weird. Uh, just, so, like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, just breaking down the the most famous Bean moments, top ten. But uh, I do, I do want to further reinforce a a point that we've kind of been making, and we've again seen in in our viewer comments. Uh, and that's that that's situational, that understanding of the talent that you have for Jeff Levy. I think looking back, obviously the goal was to get a touchdown on that trick play, but it worked. I mean, the trick play worked. You can't call a, I think it was a 15 yard pass that got you a, a first down. You can't really call that unsuccessful. And really the big thing that went wrong there and that really killed us was that, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to criticize him because this is kind of a, a tough thing to criticize, but I think objectively speaking, if you look at the level of play at, at the level that we're at, Dylan Gabriel can't take a hit. I mean, you cannot be a guy that goes in, takes a hit like that, and then you have to sit out a play and then come back in because you got the wind knocked out of you. Like, all you have to do is, is hand off the ball. I think that really killed our our momentum. And obviously, we had, it's, well, it's three or four yards after that. It's yeah, but it's kind of a hard thing to criticize, like like player toughness. But like, if he's actually injured, that's one thing. But if it's just oh, I took a a big hit, I need to sit out on this next play. That's kind of a, a weird thing for sure. And obviously, we don't know the whole details of that. But the point that I'm making, and I'm not trying to say oh, we, we need a tougher guy. We do. I'm not saying that though. Wink, wink. Caleb Williams. Uh, but it, you have to understand, you know. We have a guy who's been injured every season that he's played the game. We know he can't take hits. We don't need to be calling a play like that, like understanding the talent that you have. Because it's like, what if it goes wrong? What if Dylan Gabriel mm-hmm. does have to take a hit from a safety streaking across the field, which he did? The play worked X's and O's wise, but it wasn't there for the talent that we have because the guy that we were relying on to catch the ball can't take a hit. He's, he's less durable than anything else out on the field. Also, and Stoops, we and he's there's a, a lot to blame on that play. No one's talking about how Stoops just threw him a duck. Nailed the pass. Do not do Drake Stoops' criticism will not be tolerated on this podcast. He threw an absolute duck lob ball to threw him. A completion. That led to he threw a completion. Yes, but it, but it was legitimate. It, it just was the reason. Like a quarterback wouldn't throw that ball to a receiver because that's like you're just asking for the safety to go downhill and just lay you out. Yeah, and I. 
Yeah, the just receiver would not be unawares and just standing there after he caught the ball. I mean, it's like yes, ob- it, obviously it was poor. I I hate the play calls. Like I said, I think it's extremely you know tr- like predictable at this point. People have seen the tape enough of it. It's on. It's in the forefront of people's minds. So whenever any yeah. kind of subtle movement happens, like now many times people watch the replay of the Philly special. Like people have seen it over and over. OU's had their same moments too. Obviously, you know with the Baker. I guess the Baker special or whatever we called that. He did um, it before the Philly special. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, we've seen it. It's in the forefront of our minds. Like, it's not tricky anymore. Yeah, it's either way. I I don't hate the call as much as I think Gabriel should have tried to get out of bounds quicker. Um, just because I like you, like you said, it, it, it's there. Someone's going to have that covered. So it wasn't going to go all the way probably. So, and the problem the was game- the Eric gray second, um, second down run after the, you know, Braden Willis got three or four yards or whatever on that first down. And then we put Gabriel back in and then we just got stuffed for four yards, like four yard loss or something like that. Um, with Eric gray, that was the problem with that drive. I mean, I'm sure Dylan Gabriel was fine enough to throw a ball on second down. He seemed fine. Like it was, was it, the, the air got knocked out of him. Well, that yeah. one, that one I do have to say was also maybe play calling on our part because so if you remember, right, Gabriel came back in and tech dialed up blitz because their I think their idea was, oh, yeah. why not? You know, we we're seeing blood in the water here. Either they're going to run it and blitz is perfect when they're trying to run it. And if they're trying to pass it, this guy's rattled. He's clearly not injured. He just had to sit out after taking a real hit let's put the pressure on him and let him know that we're about to ring his bell again. I feel like we should have been maybe a little bit smarter on our play call there because it it seems like it was pretty predictable what tech would do. And they did the very predictable thing, which was by all accounts, the right thing in in their book, which we saw worked, you know, but it's when you're in that situation, you can't be doing an inside handoff when you know, you know, based on their personnel, based on the situation and and how they line up. And again, that's like we've been talking about football IQ and and sort of adjusting in the moments. That's maybe why we're so hot on the initial two or three drives of the game, because we have this stuff that's perfectly beautifully scripted throughout the week. And then once we get into the game and it's time to adjust, we we can't do it. And that's, you know, I think that play, that one play is very indicative of that. And I, I don't, I wanted to point that out. I knew you weren't blaming gray specifically, but I, I, you can't fault, Eric Gray for that, right? Because if you get the ball and you're looking up and there's 350 pound defensive linemen right in front of you because Tech knows how to recruit defensive linemen, unlike OU apparently, mm-hmm. uh, there's nothing you can do. Like you can't skill your way out of that. You can't, you know, um, you can't be, you know, Derrick Henry or, or whoever else in that situation. Yeah, I, I was just you know, saying, I was yeah. just saying that that, play, that second down play was the reason we ended up kicking a field goal because it put us in third and long um, rather yeah, than, yeah. you know, if we would have got another three yards, it'd been third and short. And that ultimately is what what did us in is they out physicaled us uh, in that in that overtime period. They that that their D line absolutely overwhelmed our O line uh, towards the end, and that's just it. That's the tale of it. So um, really brutal, really brutal play calling there. But we also got to talk about a couple special teams decisions here. So last play or last play of last play of regulation. Do you, what was with, do you, okay. Why do people ice kickers anymore? I'm not a big fan of it. I I'll never, never have. I think it's a bad idea. I'm a fan of the happen. fake ice. The fake ice is what I'm for now because you go have your coach stand over by the referee. Kicker sees it out of their, the corner of their eye. You just don't do it. Just get into their head. Don't, don't give them some script. I like that. 
I like the fake ice, but you know, I do. I don't. I don't think we can say like, oh, that would have been a block because I, I think that changes. That's what you pick. that's just Captain Hindsight again because we could have blocked the second one. Exactly. Well, I don't. Exactly. Yeah, I don't. I wanted to mention that too. I so I watched that back just to be sure, and I think the the execution of the long snapper, the kicker, and the holder was the same regardless because that's sort of the the standard thing with uh, with kickers and everyone else now. Like you're taught. You know, if they ice you and the ball is has been snapped or is already in the process of being snapped, you go through your full process and get a practice one in. That's that's pretty standard. I don't think they let up on that. But if you rewatch it, uh, because I was personally, I was like, oh my god, we blocked that. Now we're not going to block the next one and lose. If you go rewatch it, uh, Tech's defensive or their their blockers clearly quit the second they hear the the first whistle and and we got a hand on it only because the tech guys are just kind of hanging out so if you're an OU fan yeah if you're an OU fan um don't get angry over that one I'm not saying you're wrong I I felt the same way the first time I watched it but if you go back and rewatch it you'll see that the refs started blowing the whistles you know before the the holder touched the ball and there were a lot of tech guys quitting on that one so don't don't get riled up over that one I'm, I'm trying to save you guys some some heartache there, but yeah, I, yeah. I agree on, on icing the, the kicker. I, I don't really think it, it does a whole lot. It's a chance anyways. It's trying, I, it's like I'm, trying to ice the ref before he flips the coin. Like it's, I don't really know if talking. it matters that much. And then of, <laughs> uh, of course we need to get better at our flip, <laughs> our coin flipping skills too. And picking heads or tails. I believe I we know. picked heads. Is that correct? And it was tails. Yeah, I uh, oh yeah no, I believe we got a uh, boat and Blake as our uh, coin flip coordinator. That's probably I the I, issue. Lo- I love some coin flips, but I would have picked heads too. So oh well, fair enough. Um, fair enough. I, I think the other thing you wanted to talk about, Bobby, is probably the Zach Schmidt um, miss in overtime. Whether it was in or whether it's not, and how you can't review that. I, I think that's a little bit of silly thing that you can't review that. In my opinion, I think that they should have some kind of technology where you have cameras that go up the uprights. And you can kind of see it. Um, it's kind of like a pylon cam for the field goal. Um, but I just don't think we have gotten anything so egregious like that on a big scale to where they would make that change in the offseason. Because you see it a lot in like the NFL. Like something really big happens and then there's that's where the rule changes occur. Um, but that would just make sense. Why wouldn't you be able to review a field goal? Whenever you're reviewing every microcosm of this game, why can't you go and look and see if that is a field goal or not? And it might just be hard because we don't have the technology to check it. People are sending pictures online saying like, oh, the goal's behind the, I mean, the ball's behind the goalpost. I'm like, well, yeah, kept curving left, but I don't know where it was directly above the yellow. Like, was it above or just to the side? We, we don't have that kind of angle to see that kind of thing. And the person in the arena that only has that angle is the referee. So we have to trust the referee and trusting one person's opinion on something is not what this game is anymore. If, if you want to play the one of the, we should only let the referees do this kind of thing. That's, that's not sports. Yeah, no, not, not anymore. And, you know, frankly, and here's the thing that's so funny. It can be solved. We don't even need that much uh, fancy technology. We just need to make the goalpost taller. Just make them really tall. Like even taller then than they would, were before. Then he, would, then he would have missed it if, if it was tall. Probably would have doinked it. Probably would have doinked it, but at least we would have known what happened. I, I think there's probably a lot of things that go into making the goalpost taller, I'm sure, like with the wind and the dynamics of like if it moving, if it's too tall. Um, 
I don't know. We need. I, okay. We don't have a Schooner Pod engineer consultant. This is one of our few times we don't it's have somebody to talk about. It's just a steel thing going into the sky. You can you can build it a little strong. I mean, there's almost no wind resistance but, but to that. It, but whatsoever. there's nothing. There's no support as it gets higher. So as, as it gets taller, wouldn't it like be more prone to move? Am I am I thinking I mean, wrong here? I mean, yeah. But you would you would engineer that into the system. But hey, sounds, the, the solution is not right. So but we're we're diving into this like let's make the goalposts just comically high. The solution is to yes. just put a camera in the crossbar. I don't know. Like a GoPro is what like four hundred dollars. I don't know why you guys are like let's re-engineer every goalpost in the country. Like you just can put a GoPro. That's on, what I'm like, saying. The, the back it's so of easy. the uprights just facing up with the proper lens to face it. Uh, upwards i don't know it's it's very much the same argument that is occurring obviously it's much lower in football because just field goal weird calls are, are much less common but it's sort of the same argument that you're seeing in, in baseball currently with do we want a human umpire calling the strike box versus some sort of automated system and you see a lot of arguments either way and and really if i don't know if this has piqued anyone's interest but when it comes to looking at the goalposts and and whether or not stuff is in i think i would keep my eye on on baseball and how they end up going in the future when it comes to who's determining what's what in the in the strike box because traditionally when you look at things like analytics which i still have a a bit that i'm looking to get into on and some other stuff. Baseball has kind of been at, at the forefront of adopting different technologies and, and rules that have, have trickled into basketball and, and football as well. Just kind of kind of the nature of of the sport itself. But uh, I would definitely keep my eye on on what the MLB does, and and I think that technology directly applies, you know, to to the goalpost because it's very much the same thing. It's a it's a vertical rectangular box, and you're looking to see if a ball goes through it. And currently, you have a human a very error prone system doing it and and you leave that up for debate and you know what the answer because some people are saying this in baseball the answer might be because it's an entertainment product and because we value that talking points i mean that's what we live on as a podcast maybe you want that human error maybe you want that that doubt that we're having right now did it go in did it not same thing with baseball maybe you want that I, doubt I think was it a strike was it not in baseball but not not in football i, I think whenever no i i agree time yeah. on the on the edge you know, like whenever they're just painting the lines in baseball, mm -hmm. like you don't want to have a robot determining the strike for ball every single time. I agree. That just, yeah. That just, that's like, that's like having fouls in basketball be automatically called due to like player sensors. You know, like it's just, it just doesn't, that I think that, that just yeah. doesn't make any sense. But the well, ca and different camera, different camera angles in a review process is very football. It is extremely football. Like, you know how many camera angles they have in every single NFL game and college football game? And like I said, with the pylon cam, like I, I just, with, there's nothing different here between the pylon cam and, yeah. and the, uh, and the goalpost. And I, so I, I, I mean, I bet, I bet you it would, it would come. I, I can guarantee you this goalpost cam, if it ever does occur, would come before the strike pitch um, the strike yeah. zone. Um, the well, and I, I don't want to get conspiratorial obviously like we lost we lost it we never should have been in the position the fact that we were in the position that it went to overtime we had already lost uh but i don't want to get conspiratorial but i think there might be a reason that we haven't seen released any other camera angle than just the one that was on tv you go try to find a clip of that ou field goal and you're only getting either screen recordings or or copies of the one that was aired on tv 
the tech one, after they nailed the winning field goal, you had three different ones immediately published, right? You had the one that was on TV and then you had two other like high production angles that were published and broadcast by all the networks. So yeah, I think what's maybe- in it for them for posting something that could be yeah. an error. <laughs> That's just, I have the information. I'm not going to give it to you. Like, why would I, Certainly, it's not, yeah. there's nothing well, in this for me. Stop well, not only that, but like, like, look at, look at how easy it is in soccer, you know, with VAR and what they've gotten with their goal line technology. It's like nothing. Just put a chip in the ball or something. And yeah, but out. now that is a whole other argument. I, I'm glad that you brought that up. Bobby. Top goal. If we're going to go chip, goal chip goal in technology. it. That is going to be completely changing the game in terms of first downs, in terms of crossing the goal line. Um, it, it, there's there, that is a whole can of worms. That well, I here's, that, here's the other thing. And that's progressive. I football. There's a lot of fans that are out there that are a little bit more conservative that would be very upset that technology is taking over the game. Yeah, but our our current, our current system with football is two guys with sticks just measuring it out. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. I, I I think we can do better. The chain. Yeah. The chain system is, is, I mean, the chain system has long been, theater right because it's like the ref arbit like it because it's especially when it's on like a specific yard line right like they have to get to the 10 yard line to to get a first down for example and the ref just arbitrarily places the ball i know it's not completely arbitrary but like no, the ref places the, the ball and you're right just looking at you're looking at the paint line on the field and you can see that it's long or short just based on the paint line that's on the field mm. and they still bring the chains out it's like it, that's obviously all all theater, uh, but I do I think the solution is not to get too technical, but the, the solution is like a like a passive system. You know, you could line the the inner skin of the football with some sort of reflective um, material, and then you have just a passive system that's that's radiating on on like a linear plane. Uh, through the goalpost or or through the um, you don't have to do the full on on chip thing or whatever Top Golf does, but yeah, hey, we've we've dove too deep into into the weeds on uh, a little bit technology <laughs> of strike zones and field goals here. I think maybe a bit, maybe a bit, but uh, that but that's we're gonna have to keep on finding this content because guess what? Only OU only has one more game left. And it's sad because usually we would transition our favorite thing to do with this Sunday podcast, just talk about the last game for 50 minutes and then do 10 minutes of a preview for the next game. But I, we don't know what it's going to be. I, I think Bobby sent the guaranteed rate bolt versus Wisconsin was the uh, prediction one through. Was that ESPN that you saw? Saw that in Bobby? Yeah, I've seen it ESPN. I've seen it CBS. That makes sense. Makes complete sense. Like an easy choice between guaranteed- two strong blue bloods that's what they've done the past couple of seasons when ou has been disappointed you know they put us first another disappointing blue blood team and see what happens i've also seen one where he played maryland and that would be gross weird whoa, yeah, whoa, wisconsin whoa. makes so much sense the guaranteed rate fiesta bowl is in a baseball stadium it's not a fiesta bowl but kind of no that's it's why a- I've, I've, i have it pulled up right now the full name is guaranteed rate fiesta bowl no way. It's a Fiesta. No, Garrett- do they have two? Do they have two sponsors now? Does Garrett- Maybe this is a weird. They double this dipping? is a weird sort of. Guaranteed rate bowl dipping? is just the guaranteed rate bowl, but there is a cactus on it, and it is in Phoenix. So uh, I mean- Seat Geek says it's called the Guaranteed Rate Fiesta Bowl. Okay, Seat Geek. All right. I I don't know. Is is this your source? No, 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 no. I always look up ticket prices. <laughs> the Fiesta. So okay, the Fiesta, the Fiesta Bowl is presented by Verbo. Seat Geek is uh, I, yeah, uh, yeah, no yeah, longer but... Tostitos. R.I.P. 
No long. Hey, the real one we should be mourning is Battlefrog. Battlefrog Fiesta Bowl is the best. <laughs> what was it? PlayStation well, yeah. and then Battle. <laughs> ba- the, the one year where somehow a company named Battlefrog got the rights was the best one. I'm I'm a fan. But no, we yeah we don't really have anything we can really plan to talk about, you know, because we don't know, and we're just gonna have to kind of sit here and wait. And I guess. Really, do we have anything else from tech to talk about, or do we want to kind of no? I I I think we talked everything from it, and and we can talk about Cruton. And I kind there's really not a Cruton corner thing to take it into. I just think it's like this game, it sucked, but I don't know how much this game is going to impact the recruits already than that they've already been impacted. Anthony Evans flipping to Georgia was a big deal as of recently. Um, but it seems like he hadn't been in that boat for a really long time. seems like, I think the Georgia insider said he was a silent commit for months, but it was just kind of hard to pull the plug. And we knew that he always liked Georgia and we knew that they were an extreme threat. And whenever he visited there, um, once he visited, he's not a, like, you know, a commit anymore under Brent Venable's eyes. So yeah, that was, that was really scary. And it just kind of makes sense having a speed guy, not be, in our recruiting class anymore sucks because those guys are extremely rare. They're very rare. I understand his rating might not be a super high four star, but his speed is one of the best in the country. So it sucks to lose him. And Jimmy and the, and talking about her um, worrying about Makari Vickers decommitting his dad, I think might be, that might be stemming from his dad talking about how um, the recruits were getting annoyed uh, with all of the negative OU fans and, I already had a segment on that. So, Jimmy, if you want me to hear me yell about OU fans on Twitter and how they're just deplorable, you can listen a little bit earlier in the in the podcast. But it seems like he was talking about it wasn't him with Makari. That wasn't the problem. He was saying that other recruits, like his friends, were, were saying that they were getting really annoyed by the fans. But it wasn't Makari himself that was annoyed. So, obviously, there's there's a chance for a lot of people to decommit after this. There's a, there's a chance. I just don't know how much this game was like, oh, they lost to Texas Tech. That's their sixth loss of the season. That's the thing that I needed. No, there was already plenty of things going on this season and plenty of writing on the wall to where you should be worried as an OU recruit. And I just don't think this one's going to, you know, pulls back. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I think it's going to obviously have hits, but look, um, I think anyone who was still okay and still on board with OU when they were a five and five team, it's going to be okay. Now that they're a six and six team, it's um, it's the intermediate 2023 guys. I think are, are mostly solid because they can think, ah, I'm going to, I'm going to go and play immediately. Might be some more of the 24, you know, future type of guys who are like eh, maybe this we project have, is uh, garbage yeah and we have time to convince them elsewise with that too um like i said i this season was a wash it was bad there's a lot of things that went negative with it but right now i'm not going to go down the line and make too many assumptions and i want to see what it is next season because brent venables as a first-time head coach not every single rookie not every single true freshman do great it's as simple as that but some people kind of come into their form he obviously took a very big job that was in a very tumultuous time for the Sooners. Losing your, you know, could be Heisman winner quarterback now, 
um, losing a lot of your coaching staff and having to come in and pick up a bunch of angry fans and a bunch of people that were really down in a, obviously a defense and football team that wasn't coached well beforehand and try to fix it in one season. So we, I, I, I don't, I'm not going to damn him too much on that. He obviously didn't do perfectly and he didn't do a good job. Uh, but I'm not going to say it's time to move on. So I think the, I think the recruits have some of the similar thoughts in that because these recruits, well, I, I know I'm going long here. So these recruits, a lot of them aren't just OU fans and OU fans we're very hot and cold when it's hot. Oh man, where we're feeling great and we're just pumping sunshine that, you know, that hopium that you were talking about at the beginning of the season, Bobby, but whenever it's cold, man, it is frigid. It's like Oklahoma weather. I guess Oklahoma fans are like Oklahoma weather. There's no middle ground. It's just, it's, you never know what you're going to get, but these recruits they're, they're looking at this. I would think a little bit more logistically because whenever something bad happens, they'll think about what, what is the reason here? What, instead of just like letting theirs, you know, their egos and pride just go out of control. Right. And I, I, man, I'm with you. I think you just gotta, gotta stay steady here. I don't think any, I don't think any negativity helps at this point Um, to go back to the very, 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 very first thing we kind of brought up, you know, um, on this podcast, you know, this team is who they are. And, that, but at the same time, that does not have to be the case for next year, for the year after, for the, how this program is as a future. Um, just because we don't have like a big shiny Oregon win and a whole bunch of hype that you know doesn't have the back like any backups, you know, doesn't mean we uh, you know have to trash them. And really, all of this kind of over hopium, I, I guess, pumped expectations for this year. That's kind of on us. Um, I think we we have we had high expectations and we should have, but you know, it's a process. And I think I think we just kind of gotta let it ride out. Um, because you know, next year probably is not gonna be a playoff season. Is uh, in it's definitely not going to be a playoff season. Um, but you just have to take uh take heart in the little things, the the progress, the day by day. So um I'm with you, man. Uh, people just can't be freaking out. Ty. Yeah, I have a I have a couple points. One, important to note as things currently stand, we still cannot say anything definitively. I don't think anyone can, even as far as as the OU athletics department and, and even the conferences, but no one can say definitively as far as we know. But as things stand currently, it looks like we are still a long ways away from the SEC, which is a good thing. Uh, and I'm not saying that because I'm afraid of the SEC or afraid of going into that situation unprepared. I'm saying that because as an OU fan, there is nothing more that I would love than for us to leave with the trophy. We win the game and we take, you know, the one soccer ball at recess and and take it and say, no, I've got to go. And we head out. And, and that to me <laughs> is when I'm looking at, when I'm looking at like short-term versus long-term goals, the long-term goal is to get this program back where it belongs, and that's winning national championships no matter what we have to do. Shout out to Barry Switzer. Uh, I'm not beyond using extortion and other 
felonious things uh, to get this program where it is. And I can say that because I'm not affiliated with the program, right? I'm not encouraging that. I'm saying this purely for entertainment purposes, right? But if we have to extort someone, we know where these recruits' families live, right? There should oh, be no, no way, way we're losing. Oh, now, no. now, now, uh, now anyways, your morals are going into the trash. Anyways, the, the morals have never been there. Are you kidding me? You want to say the morals okay, are right. there? Come you're on, right. we can right. take this back. But anyways, I, I, I was um, when I said that. To, to take myself to be- back, right? To and I, I say this purely for entertainment purposes. Uh, joking, uh, edge, but. Hedge. That's not a hedge. That's a legal disclaimer. It's a different thing. <laughs> um, legal but, hedge. Uh, the, the fish closest to the boat, so to speak, right? Not even the boat, right? We're, this is Oklahoma. We're noodling, okay? We're out there in swim trunks, and we're sticking our hands in that muddy water hoping to find a catfish. The catfish closest to us is winning the Big 12, and, and that is still well in hand. It's a good thing that we're not leaving on this note. Everyone has had their turn at kicking OU while while we're down. We're not going to stay down for long, especially if we're in this bum conference for the next couple of years. These teams that have sort of rushed the field against us, you know, Tech rushing the field against a six and six team. <laughs> come on, bro. Come on. That's it. That is, I understand the brand, they, right? The brand value of Oklahoma, but that is more a joke on you. That's more an indictment of your program that you're going to rush the field beating a six and six team at home. Like, mm. <laughs> come on. I, I see uh, why they but, did it. Yeah. But winning. Yeah. I, well, I see it. I see it from their end of the table too. I, I do. But um, this situation is well in hand for Oklahoma fans. And we have another big 12 championship, if not a few more in us, depending on how far we stay here. We know that things are going to turn over in the next couple of years. And I truly believe, and I don't think this is hope or whatever, and, well, it's hope, but it's not hopium or, or copium or whatever you want to use. Brent Venables can win a national championship. And it's there's a lot of factors that go into that. And, and we always say, you know, the other side has a vote. Um, and it, it, timelines are matching up well for sort of dis, a disruption in college football. I don't know that Georgia has long-term dynasty uh, just – feasible for them based on on their market nick saban you know is is getting pretty long in the tooth and and there's a whole lot of other factors but i i would not give up on this coaching staff and i would certainly not give on give up on the institution that is oklahoma anytime soon we have seen dark days and uh we have brighter times in in the future and i think i had a second point that i've now forgotten but if if you can take one thing away i know this is our last regular season uh, podcast, but this was a a rough, rough, rough time. But it is not indicative of things to come. And if anything, we have gotten through this together as OU fans. We hopefully have not turned on each other. We've turned on the players; they deserved it. We've turned on the coaches; oh, no. they probably didn't deserve it. And right, I, I would have a different stance. I'm about to finish here. This is my last sentence. I would have a different stance on the players if we didn't have NIL, right? If they're just, oh, the, the little college kids playing the amateur sport, right? I'm going to I'm gonna criticize a guy making six figures on brand deals all day if he's not delivering. I've said this before. I'll say it again. This is my final note for the podcast. If you were on a scholarship to OU for any other reason and you were as bad at your thing as Dylan Gabriel is at his, you would lose your scholarship. If you were on an art scholarship, you'd lose your scholarship if you could only create art 50% of the time, oh, you know, man. it's, that's just flat out. Right. If you're on a physics scholarship at OU, 
and 50% of the time you just straight up failed, you would lose your scholarship before the end of the semester. So I don't want to hear this. Oh, don't criticize the kids. They're all adults. We don't have any 17 year olds that I know of. They're all adults and they're all making more than fair compensation for as poorly as they're doing. So I don't want to hear it. Okay. Well, yeah, no, I, um, that was a take. Uh, (laughs) I liked it, but I also not, I don't know. It had it had its issues. I'll say this, NIL is, you know, does open up for criticism, but also it's something we still need to support. Uh, OU needs to figure it out and just support one of them and collaborate because it's kind of a mess. Um, But in terms of criticism, I'm with you. Just go for it. It's, um, but not really, because, you know, that's how you get people to portal out. So don't criticize the kids. Yeah. Just don't, don't tweet at the kids. Yeah, if you want to talk about it, do it. Just don't add them. Just quit with that BS. I don't know what you're trying to get from adding a person on Twitter. It's it's it's. I I think it's just arrogant. It's either stupid or arrogant, and probably a little bit both. And if you want to tweet it, if you if you don't have a group chat to talk with people, just don't add them. You can you can talk about them. Just don't add them. Quit quit with that BS. But talking about portals, I think this is kind of the last thing before we can move on and be ready for our next episode next week where we kind of talk about our bull berth and who we're playing and um, probably we'll hear a little bit more about portals and who's playing and whatnot. Um, obviously, Army, Navy too. Uh, but uh, I think I think that that's going to be something to look at here for the next couple of days as OU fans. Dylan Gabriel, tr- cryptic. He said he, he, it's still pretty new right now. Talking about if he's coming back next year, that was I thought that was really please noteworthy. don't please don't I, like 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 what I don't think we would process him out. Um, so I don't know what he's viewing on what he wants to do next year. Like if he's if he isn't being declarative about that, I think that's a topic. Um, then we're gonna see guys like Eric Gray, Anton Harrison, um, guys in that kind of conversation that are gonna be gone and. And then we're going to have opt-outs. I, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, CJ Colden's gone too, the way he's been playing um, and not playing in – did he say that he's playing in the bowl game? Was that him or Trey Morrison? Uh, not I think sure. CJ, actually, I, I'm going to take all that back. I think CJ – obviously CJ Colden doesn't have um, any time left, but I think he did say he's going to play in the bowl game. I, I get the two yeah. mixed up in my head. Um, but, I know, but we're going to get I, we're going to get a lot of that, and we can just kind of dive into that more in, in the next episode as well. Yeah, because like I know Mims also is. Yeah, no, Colden, Colden's playing. Yeah, Colden is playing. playing. Yeah, okay, That's which great. is good. They've bought into Brent Venable's idea that he thinks opting out is stupid, but I still think that there's going to be people that do it anyways. So just be ready for it. And I, the transfer portal is going to be crazy. <laughs> there's going to be a lot. There's going to be a lot of people on this team that are going to be going in the transfer portal, and we're going to be heavy, heavy players. So we'll have plenty of content to talk about in this offseason. Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be spicy for sure. I'm excited about it. Um, you know, kind of. You know, we had that whole long off season last year where it's like, ah, oh, I can't wait for football. Can't wait for football. And now I'm like, you know what? Kind of ready for just random BS of, you know, portaling and all that to come back. Maybe build up a little hopium again because can't have hopium and keep losing games. So there's that. But um, no, we do got a lot of good stuff down the pipe as well. You know, uh, obviously we have our. Uh, the finale, the season finale of the uh, oh, weekend spread man. next week. It's so beautiful. Or th- this week on Wednesday, we'll decide who gets the 999, who has to eat nine tonight, drink nine beers and nine innings. It's not going to be Jameson. It'll probably be me or Ty or both. 
Uh, yes. Or Boat and Blake. If, yes. if things go really bad for Boat and Blake, it could be that too. Y'all uh, just need to then, zag Blake on every pick, please. I honestly, Ty, hey, that hey, might Bobby, not I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. I it would be unsportsmanlike, but I would be down for collusion for us to just say <laughs> we ride together, we die together, right? I trust you. I like I trust you, Bobby. I I trust we ride together, we die together, we just zag Blake, and either we're both in it together or Blake suffers. I love that. Yes. Yes, I love Ty's it. Gonna, Ty's going to do that until the very last pick, and he's going to pick something different than you in the last pick. And well, unfortunately, Purdue, one, yeah, Purdue's up at the top. So Bobby will know if I'm betraying him early on, uh, which I wouldn't. Well, we would just have to have uh, a I can, I can discussion about. Well, y'all y'all got to listen to this. Yeah, it's gonna be that's gonna be a fun pod for sure. The ball picks pods are always fun, and then obviously National Signing Day coming up as well, uh, at least early period, which Ooh. is basically signing day now so mm-hmm. we'll do we'll do Next. a bull pick series for that and we could use some of our funds for a, a good reward i think that would be a good idea so just be I, on the lookout that, for that that is a great idea i'm all in on that so we'll talk about that as it goes on but plenty of content season might be ending but the uh, schooner pod continues to roll as it always does so all right uh thank you to our partners at DraftKings and tppn Ty is putting up a number one. We have, Do you have, a we have one more. We have one more promo to cut next week. Tune in. We do it every year. It's my big podcast of the year, our army Navy preview. Cause it's our only game uh, that week. So after the conference championships are done, we will dive into all sorts of things, including a not proprietary could be cause I'm not the only one peddling this. Uh, but a a a take as to why if any school owns the rights to doing space uniforms, it is Navy, and if anyone else, it's Air Force, and it is certainly under no means UCF. We will get into that uh, a little bit later, but just being an hour or so away from a launch facility and producing no astronauts ever does not give you any right to claim space. <laughs> so... I don't care what some community college in Florida says. Navy owns space. We will get into the factual reasons as to why uh, next week as we preview Army, Navy, and Navy's space uniforms. Well, I guess UCF and OSU have things in common, which are uh, coming up with fake national championships and stealing stuff from the troops. Uh, And OSU's case is also a national championship. So... There's that, but uh, army uh, 197 or uh, 2017 25. college football national champions. <laughs> give, it, give, give it to <laughs> army. Well, yeah, that's funny. That's funny. But um, yeah, that's all we got for this podcast. Thank you all so much for listening all season long. It's been a slog um, in terms of watching this team, but in terms of making this podcast and all the content that came with it, it's been a true joy uh, doing it with you two guys the entire way through. Um, and it's been really, really nice to, um, you know, get to share this with all of our listeners and, uh, yeah, it's been great. So, um, we'll get better. We'll get better across the board podcast and, uh, and the suitors. So, uh, let's, let's hope for the best anyways, for me, Jameson and Ty, this has been the scooter pod. Hope you have a good week. We'll see you Wednesday for the weekend spread. But in terms of OU, I guess it'll be next Sunday. So have a good week. Boomer sooner, everyone.